Kia ora everyone. This episode of The Stag Raw is brought to you by Shearsies. After COVID last year, I wanted to start putting away some money to create a little bit of a nest egg on top of what I was already doing with KiwiSaver. Shearsies allowed me to invest $25 a week in the share market and see the returns. If you'd like to start investing in the share market, follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive $5 to go towards your first investment. Check it out in the show notes. Follow the link to Shearsies. Record. Oh, that's nice. It talks to you now. Tells you that it's recording. Yeah, got it. Recording in progress. (laughs) Are you locked down, mate? Hey, buddy. Yep, locked down. We we went over this last time. World world champions. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I listened to a couple of our last episodes today just to make sure we don't double back on what we've gone through, but it seems like we're going to, I think. (laughs) <laughs> You're just a fucking groundhog day every day. Yeah, absolutely. So do um poo tubes still need wrapping or they've shut that down too? Yeah, they do. No, I've been working, which is great. So I'm <laughs> better than last year. Yeah. 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 I've been on a on a big job site, which is nice. Plenty of work there. Yeah, yeah. it's good. So are the uh, military keeping busy in Victoria or they've just all concentrated on Sydney now? No, they've... Get those people off the beach. Yeah, they've gone to Sydney. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't don't breathe the fresh air. (laughs) How fucking ridiculous. Um, It's interesting that New South Wales is kicking up a storm that the military are there walking the streets, but we had them walking the streets last year. So, and we had them at the divide between... Uh, metropolitan and rural, and to get through there, you had to go through like full, full blown military checkpoint at the beginning, and then they sort of waned it back a bit, and um, it wasn't so brutal. I went through a bunch of them, so yeah, well, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty nerve wracking the first time I went through them, but then after you've gone through them a few times, it was just good to go. So yeah, yeah, we had the <clears throat> so we had the situation in New Zealand where. Auckland went back to our level four, which was just like, don't go anywhere. And um, so they put up a border um, at the bottom of Auckland and I had to go pick up Billy. And yeah, it was a bit of the same, like gigantic queue to get to the, the, there's a demarcation um, of Auckland that's called the Bombay Hills. So you climb up this big hill and you're at at the Bombay Hills and from way down in the town, probably, I don't know, 20k south, Pocono, the, the queue started and then you hit went off an off-ramp and, you know, saw the saw the military. And it was quintessentially New Zealand. I was just like, oh, hey, bro, how you going? I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, what are you doing? I was like, just going to pick my daughter up and go back to, to go for the night. Oh, yeah, have a good day. <laughs> 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 and then on the other side, yeah. it, was, it was like, what are, you, what are you doing? I was like, I just picked her up and going back to, to go for it. They're like, oh, does she live here? I was like, yeah. I was like, where, where are you going? Oh, to go for it. I said, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Carry on. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no I, they did ask me for papers, but then I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't think I had to have papers for this." And I, no, you don't. That's cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there's a big distinction between like the first time I went through and the last time I went through. Yeah, it was interesting. The first time it was military, police with guns. Gee. They had a, um, like every one of them had an iPad, and they would take a photo of your license, and they would take a photo of your piece of paper that you had to get through. And yeah. um, that was that went on for a few weeks, and then 
you know, the lockdown went for, uh, that lockdown went for, I don't know, six to eight weeks or whatever. But then by the end of it, you know, I was halfway through, I'd been working, so to speak, all, all about the place. And I went out to go for a, a walk in the bush with my bow um, on a mate's property. And the, and a lady policeman said, looked at my paperwork. And um, she goes, geez, you, you get about Victoria, don't you? And I, and I was like, yeah, I do. She's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a plumber. And she's <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, that must be nice. Have a good day. And then the last time that I went through it, the guy was doing the crossword on the side of the road. And he goes, where are you going? And I said, Wilson's prom. And he goes, oh, right, yeah, have fun there. So it, was, <laughs> it, it just went from full on to next to nothing. So, um, and then, yeah, I think that everybody's just gotten used to it in Victoria and they just shut the fuck up and do as they're told. And, yeah, so it's, it's quite interesting. And now New South Wales is copping it and they didn't go through it before. So they're all, like, kicking up a storm. And, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the different states deal with it in their ways. Yeah. What do, you, what do you reckon the vibe of the guns was? Like, that's, that's pretty intense. You there? Did you hear that? I said, what do you reckon? The- I think it was um, of the guns. Yeah. Yeah. The- Look, I think they were just putting their foot down because they didn't really know what was going to happen. And they were just like, right, let's create this thing called the Ring of Steel that they created. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was it, it, it was brutal, but there were definitely ways around it. And, and the, one of the main ones up the Hume Highway that sort of goes from here to Sydney Um you could come in around the back way and go over the overpass and they had the block underneath the overpass. There were a couple of exits that, that, that they had the block, the roadblocks to get out of Metro into rural. And they had those roadblocks underneath the overpasses and you could just hoon over the overpass and onto the highway. And so people were just texting people and telling people how to get around it. But um, yeah, the, the last two week lockdown that we went through, I went out to oh, near the Waddingtons to, to visit a friend who was in need and um, no cops on the road anywhere. And then I had a highway patrol pull up, the, pull up behind me at 140. I was in the right-hand lane overtaking a car and this cop pulled up behind me and put the lights on. So I pulled over and he went flying past me and took the car in front of me. Um, and it had big flashing lights across the top of his highway patrol car saying um, COVID checks. So he pulled that car over and I was like, oh, God, like there's nobody on the highway, like very little people on the highway. And so I went past him and then he came up 10 minutes later behind me again with his lights flashing, went flying past me, took the car in front of me and checked their, checked their papers and then he, he did it a third time. So it was three times on that road where they got the they got the car in front of me and they didn't get me. But, you know, I had ladders on my roof and all sorts of stuff, like all, all my work material. And I'd been working in Shepparton out in rural Victoria anyway. So, yeah, it is what it is. And they, it doesn't seem like you need paperwork to get about anymore, but you need a bloody good excuse. So, Yeah. Plus, plus, they knew your van, and as the lady before said, gee, you get around, and they're taking your photo and taking your driver's license and taking your number yeah, plate. So they were like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. Andy again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just I'll a plumber. Work in rural Victoria. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not even a 
plumber. <laughs> yeah, just just rep so, rep pipes. Mate. It's it's been interesting. My mindset as far as that stuff goes as well. It's like like what I said to you last time. I didn't really want to take the piss, and you know, if it's about community doing the right thing, you do the right thing to a certain degree, and you don't really want to. I've, I only really got out there when I was in a mental headspace of really needing to be in the bush and. And when they tell you two weeks, it's not as bad as when they tell you it's going to be, you know, a month and a half or whatever. You don't really, your headspace doesn't get that that sort of oppression-like feeling to it. But they always kind of, the last few ones, they've been like, it's just for a week and they extend it for two. Or, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what happens and we'll play it by ear and see how it goes. So, yeah. Yeah, in New Zealand, I've just tuned it all out. I just... See Jacinda say, oh, you know, we can't go to Australia anymore. I'm like, oh, well, I wasn't going anyway. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> just started a new job, so got no holidays. Although I'm um, having two days off for my birthday. And I was checking my payslip yesterday, day before. I was like, oh, yes, I've got enough holidays earned up to have my holiday. Fantastic. But uh, <laughs> definitely not enough to come to Australia. So for sure. Then you'd... Um... You'd be in two week lockdown either way, whether you've been vaccinated or not vaccinated. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I um had a, had a couple of conversations today and yesterday about the old vaccine. Uh, it was quite funny. On one of them, my dude in Canada, <laughs> I said to him, "I was like, mate, have you got your um Justin Trudeau tracking tracking device in yet?" And he was like, "Oh, getting vaccinated." You'd have to be mad for that. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got both. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, 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 gosh, I didn't mean to insult you. I was like, no, you didn't insult me. I was like, I was making fun of it to begin with. Like, yeah. Did you um listen to Rebel Wisdom talk to, I get confused, Eric Weinstein or Brett Weinstein? Yeah, I did. Who, who's the one that's yeah. not, not the dark horse? <laughs> Brett. Brett. Uh, Eric. Brett is the dark horse and Eric is the portal. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was it was quite inceptiony. Um, Eric and uh, I think his name's Brian as well on on yeah. Rebel Wisdom talking about yeah. Brett talking about ivermectin and and, and the, the confusing landscape of of science. May how did you find that one? Like that was I, I liked I liked what uh, Eric had to say about how. Um, Despite you know uncertainty, despite um, he knows that farmers nefarious, he got the vaccine. He didn't get Pfizer; he got something else that was more of a traditional vaccine. Yeah, Johnson Johnson, maybe. Yeah, I think that was what he. Not sure. Yeah, no, it was because that's why I was here. He was saying, I know Johnson Johnson, freaking scoundrels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, you've been you've been sort of tracking. What's the data that you you're tracking where is that coming from oh look this is this is a rabbit this, this is a massive rabbit hole because data isn't data anymore science <laughs> isn't science anymore yeah this is the thing it's a, it, it's like i should i should put it straight up like i'm not like i've been vaccinated to the hilt not with this vaccine but in my in my previous you know the previous life or the, the life before now. Pre-COVID. And, um, <laughs> yeah, pre-COVID, I've got every vaccine under the sun and I'm not anti-vaccine. Um, I'm, I'm what they would call hesitant at the moment. 
So that's why I've been trying to keep my eye on the ball with everything that's going on. And um, when you when you say you've been looking at the data, it's an interesting thing to. At the moment, it feels like it's science versus science and data versus data and the scientific inquiry of people being able to have genuine debates about things has been thrown out the window. Hmm. Um, The data isn't available for us on the ground in Australia or maybe in America or maybe even in Europe. There's There's those three main platforms of the open bars system of the reporting of the adverse event reactions in America and then there's the yellow card system in England that tracks their adverse events to the vaccine and then we've got the Therapeutic Goods Association in Australia. So trying to find the data inside of that is an extremely challenging thing because some things aren't being tracked and other things are being tracked. Um, and then even inside the reports of that the big farmer is putting out on their data front on what, what reports are coming in from them. There's still data that's missing from all of those things. So um, in, the, in, the, in the States, just to give you one example of that, it's in the States when they, if, you, if you've been vaccinated and you have an adverse reaction to that you put yourself in because you get a vaccination number so Mm -hmm. you put yourself into the adverse reaction the open bars site and you put in your number of your vaccination and then you can write a report yep then that report gets closed inside the system so if you have a blood clot Mm -hmm. you put in your report that you had a blood clot with that data is then closed so if that blood clot next week then turns into a terminal illness and you mm-hmm. you die the report is closed so it doesn't come up as a death mm-hmm. so if you get a terminal illness then that data isn't getting shown inside that that system because you've made your report mm-hmm. so it's a it's a similar thing in australia and i'm not sure what it's like in in england but if your if your partner gets vac- vaccinated and they have a they have an event and they can't make the report for some reason or another, you can't access their medical information or their number to make that report for them unless it's your child or um, dependent, yeah, or, or a dependent, yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Um, so what's happening at the moment in in the states is, um, if if you've been vaccinated and you contract COVID, you don't go into the system unless you've been hospitalised or it's a it's it's fatal. So they're not actually tracking the people that have gotten COVID after a vaccine mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. So we can't really get a direct. Un- when I say data is not data, it's like there's obviously going to be a certain number of people that have contracted COVID uh, after they've been vaccinated, but that data is not available unless they get hospitalised. So data is not data as far as that is concerned. So 
I remember last time we had a conversation, we were saying that anything can be cherry-picked. Any data can be cherry-picked. And, mm. um, and I think that the scientific inquiry about opening up discussions between A scientist and B scientist is a very much needed situation at the moment. And, and if A scientist is saying something that goes against the narrative and their voice gets wiped out by big tech censorship hmm. and that those conversations aren't really made available. So that's why that conversation with Rebel Wisdom, is he's had a couple in a row. He's had one with one of the Weinsteins and um, I can't remember her name, but the lady who was very pro-Ivermectin and he laid out a series of questions in the, in the sense-making series of how do we make sense of what this lady's saying? How do we make sense of what Brett's saying? How do we make sense of the anti-ivermectin crowd? Um, so inside of that, obviously, voices have been wiped clear off the social media big tech, big tech platform that is making it very hard for people to get that information. So, um, yeah, it's an it's a extremely challenging time and, very, very frustrating for somebody like me who is trying to find truth inside of it or trying to find which side of the fence I would like to sit on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super challenging. And I think that the, the crunch and the pressure, it's a very pressurised situation for everybody at the moment of what to do and how to go about it and how to find that information. And I find if it's only coming from one side and it's, getting censored on another, then where do we where do we go from there and how do we make those decisions that are going to be best for our health? Mm. Mate, how are you sort of, <clears throat> one, finding the space to take it all in <laughs> and, two, how are you navigating, like you said, uh, data's not data, how are you navigating your information sources um, because there's narratives being pushed which way and every way? First, how That's you finding the challenging the, thing? Yeah, how are you finding the space to like sit down and take it in and and you know venture down these rabbit holes? You're a professional rabbit, rabbit hole navigator from from your history, mate. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, am. I love it. Um, look, I try and look on the pros, the pros and the antis on both sides. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything from what the, what the government's telling us and jump down the rabbit hole of the Therapeutic Goods Association and watch the news and watch what the government is pumping out and um, try and get their sources. And in Australia, it's the Doherty Institute that's doing a lot of the research there. And then I'll look on the, not the anti-vax, but the vaccine-hesitant virologists and epidemiologists and those sorts of things and try and find those people's voices who are being stifled and... Um, what was the basis of the Doherty Institute? Is that a university organisation? It's a government-funded institute who's uh, their virology experts. Okay. Um, so I'll look at what they're pumping out and I'll read all those sorts of things. I, I'm lucky that I've got the time to do it. I mean, whilst we're in lockdown, we're not allowed to go anywhere or do anything. So it's like I may as well be jumping down that rabbit hole and trying to find out. But... um. Like the trial site news website, excuse me, is a, is a website that's been running for years. They've been going since 1990. 
not the website itself, obviously, because the internet wasn't really around then. But um, <laughs> they're the they're the major people that deal with all drug trials around the world, not just COVID stuff, but every drug that gets released gets updated into their system. Um, it gets reviewed. They've got an amazing staff that reviews all those things from stage one, stage two, stage three, clinical trials, all that sort of stuff, and all the information is there. And when you go to do a drug trial, you you put into that system before you do the trial of what you want to get out of it, what your result, what you think your results are going to be, how many people go into it. So they are very good at deciphering the information that then comes out the other end. Um, and if people do, if it, if people put in that they're doing A, B or C drug trial and they want to get a certain result and then they don't give those results after they've given the stage, after they've done stage three clinical trials, then there's a big upheaval inside of those doctors and that community of why those results weren't given or why the results were skewed or so they've got a very sort of impartial mm look at things uh they're quite proactive like their website is like this is doctors who are affiliated with us this is opinion an opinion piece this is not researched yet so it's very open to to a view as far as a viewing platform goes and they've got amazing interviews on there with people who are pro or people who are anti or people who are not discussing things like ibuprofen and fluvoxamine and all those different things so um, just try to jump down each one of those little ones and get as much information as I can. And then if I find something by somebody who's written something on that website, then I'll try and find them on YouTube or try and find them some other way and see what papers they've written and where those studies come from and, and then look at what the rebuttals to those are on the, on the other side. Um, with people saying, hey, this India study was flawed in this way, this study was flawed in this way, and then try and, well, I'm no scientist, but, like, just for me it's good to look at those things and, and try and figure out where we're at and, and why these things aren't being implemented or why they are or, you know, just do, do some quick math on what it's costing Australia to... <laughs> To, to implement all these things and yeah. wonder, wonder, wonder why there's not more frontline treatment programs for people who have actually gotten COVID. Like when was the last time you heard anything about a frontline doctor treating COVID as an illness rather than using a vaccine to prevent the illness? Yeah. Now, um, before we dive into that, like you said, you're not a scientist, you know, <laughs> People that have listened before will go. How the how the hell does a skateboarding artist know know all this shit? Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, um what was that? Was that web, website so called? Test trial trial site trial, yeah. trial site. Yeah, did you start diving into that with the sort of psilocybin study stuff, the map stuff, or where did you first hear about that? No, I've, no. I've heard about it on on Tim Ferriss and on on Peter Atier. Tim Ferriss probably got from Peter Rattier. Where did you first find about that? I, I came across it on a, a web or a website or a YouTube for a doctor who runs a thing called Peak Prosperity. Okay. Um, and he's a, he's a doctor and he's just been researching, researching, researching and a few of the, his things were like, these are articles from here because he gives all these 
his sources to all his information. And um, this is probably about six months ago. And then I was like, wow, this is, re- this is a really huge website. Um, and, and I think it was just that process of like trying to find the, the proper sources of information like, mm. that are unbiased and they're, or they're not, they're not, not sensationalised by media, sort of, media slant, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. that's um. Yeah. How how have you developed your um paper reading skills? Have have you looked at like again Tim Ferriss and Peter Deere have got some resources about how to digest a research paper? Like how have you sort of developed those? Oh, they're not great. <laughs> Stats one hundred and one. Like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, I'll, I'll take notes. Yeah, I'll take notes. I've got a great notebook. I'll just sketch out stuff. I've, you know, got stuff all written down. And then, I mean, the numbers and letters and the things, and it kind of just, it's in and out. But um, I'll just take specific points and then come back to that the next day if I've come home from work or something. And then I'll, I'll look up that specific thing. And, um, like, I'm better with people talking. Mm-hmm. Than I am with actually reading. So a lot of that stuff can be cross-referenced with people talking, and then you find somebody who's a virologist who's talking about that specific paper, and they've done they've done the breakdown of it. And you know, I'll go to work the next day, and I'll just listen to that guy talk about that paper, or talk about that paper and five other papers, and why this one negates this one. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I'll pull my phone out at work, and then I'll put in another note in my in the notes in my phone and then I'll come home and I'll look up my little thing at home and, yeah, it's, <laughs> fuck, I don't know why I do it, but I've got to search for information, so, yeah. Do you think it's sort of given you an element of control or, or like, personal sovereignty about your own decisions because it, it's just a screaming match out there? Yeah, it's a massive screaming match and um, <coughs> that's the thing that I'm worried about is the screaming match is only going to get louder. Mm. Like, and if you don't have the ability to regurgitate information <laughs> when somebody's screaming at you online or whatever it is, then where do you go? And then, and a lot of people, are, this is the thing for me that's the scary thing at the moment. This is becoming a the wedge between the pros and the hesitant is getting greater. Mm-hmm. And the screaming is getting louder and the pressure from the government and the media is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And um, that's the really scary thing for me at the moment is not COVID itself. It's the what's coming next and what is the end goal or the end game of what's happening. And that's the thing that scares me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, I may... Sorry, yeah. No, I was I was talking with Ken today again about vaccine, and then I was like, you know, I had to make a decision because it was like I got classified as frontline worker, and it was like there was the opportunity to have Pfizer, and I was like, well, I'm going to do some things around it to protect myself. Um, I know you listen to Matthew Walker around sleep and what he was sort of saying about the yeah. effects of good night sleep and flu vaccination. Um, I, was, I sort of took a gamble, and, and so did my um, other one of the other directors. We both took the same idea around taking high-dose high vitamin C. I sort of implemented what Ron Patrick had talked about early on, um, on Joe Rogan, about um, separating the dose out across 
three doses throughout the day and she seemed to think yeah, that, there was, that there was evidence that that actually managed to get your plasma um, vitamin C up quite high as opposed to one dose you've got a sort of an absorption limitation on that so I did that um, that's right and it wanes quickly yeah yeah and so I did that for a good few days beforehand um, I was still training um, I was making sure I was getting outside getting some sunlight and things like that um, I'd had a blood test um, a month or so before like everything was going well I hadn't been sick and so I was like right now it's perfect it's a good time yeah, yeah. did it was completely fine but then you know on on the other side my flatmate had had it half a month before me and his first dose um gave him a bit of fever the the first night um then my other director at work his second dose gave him a bit of fever and he took the day off day off work and then um someone someone i know through someone else had anaphylaxis the other day but then at that person was you know allergic to many things um was an ms person and I was sort of well, like, if if it had been if they'd been asking me the opinion of like should I go get the vaccine I would have said mm, there's probably a lot of things that you need to get right before you you have a vaccination yeah um, but you know that's that's an adverse event and you know quite an adverse event having an anaphylaxis but was well managed and the next day was fine and was able to work and and that's an individual that normally does struggle to to work they have chronic fatigue and things and. You know, it's amazing what a few doses of adrenaline can do for you. But um, yeah, for like, sure. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's adverse events and, and a bit of and a bit of flu-like symptoms aren't on the end, end of the world. But um, the the pros want to disregard that, like, nah, there's nothing wrong. And you're like, well, you know, there's there's risks and there's reactions to everything. This is a this is a foreign substance. Yeah. And and like I said, the wedge is, is people getting so heated and, and um, narrow-minded about their stance that, like you say, the hesitants or the considered people um, don't have a place to stand. They're feeling alienated. And, and like, um, if I hadn't been well, front-line front front worker, I would have waited because, you know, as I, as I just said before, I wasn't going anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. New, New Zealand uh, is, is a little, you know, haven. And um, there was there was no urgent need um like obviously with the rollout i would I would have had, had more time and more information but at the time it was like right i'll i'll happily yeah. do this and, and, and do it, some things to make sure i'm okay that's right and it is what it is for you know, you know like each to their own and everybody's got to make a decision either way and like i back my friends decisions mm-hmm. if if it's a well thought out decision like like that is the most well thought out decision and the way to go about it that I, that I've actually heard. Like, mm-hmm. and I I know, you know Kent's decision, and I know him as a human, and I know what's going to happen around around that, and and I know a few people who have gone and done a similar thing, probably not to the extent of what you've done, and um, you know, like my parents and and their friends and the people who are in that elderly community, and they, it's like go and do it, like. It, my, you know, my dad's history of medical stuff and um, like stroke and things like that and or Bell's palsy and all of that was a bit stressful for me because I, I was like, oh, there's, there's all these reports of Bell's palsy. But like 
he's not fit and healthy. He's not in a, you know, he's had two nervous breakdowns. If anything does go sideways and he gets really sick, like that's going to be fucked for him. So like mm-hmm. make that decision, do those things. And people that I know who are, you know, well overweight and maybe on the obese spectrum, it's like, go and get it. Like, and f- more power to you. And I fully respect those decisions if, if they're made in a way where they've researched the information, they know what's going on, they've made a decision for their own health and they're going to go and do that thing. It's, I'm like, fuck, yeah, go and do it. Like, so, I mean, I've, I've got pr- pretty bad autoimmune disease hmm. um, and it hits people quite strongly with autoimmune disease, um, like COVID does, and I'm still unsure about, like, where the vaccines are at with those sorts of people as well so like that's one of the reasons behind why i'm so interested in it is because i've got pretty severe psoriasis and that affects other parts of other parts of my life Hmm. um so yeah it's just an interesting interesting that's one of the reasons why i'm so interested i'm I'm really kind of i don't know that's such a big topic and so stressful at the moment for so many people and you hear decisions that are getting made by people that I question those decisions and I question their logic and um, the scary things that are, that are sort of coming out and the things that the government has told us five different things and in 10 different weeks and then, you know, you're going to be able to travel, you're going to have your freedom, you're going to have all of these things and I don't believe those things. Yeah. Um, I'm very scared of what's going to happen with that. There's a case in of a, a young guy who had a heart condition or he had cancer or something. He's on his deathbed in Victoria and his mum's been double vaccinated and she's, li- she's living in New South Wales and she just wants to fly down to Victoria to see her son before he died. And so she's applied and done all that stuff. And then all of a sudden she gets rejected. And it's like, well, you've told us if we get vaccinated, we'll be able to travel. Yeah. And it's like, what are you saying? <laughs> so there's, there's, there's so many levels to that game as well, as far as like Australian citizens and what the Australian government has recognised as an appropriate vaccine. So I think in Australia there's four appropriate vaccines. So say you're an Australian citizen and you're living in China or you're living in Russia or you're living in India and you've been vaccinated with what their government deems as an appropriate vaccine but the Australian government doesn't deem that as an appropriate vaccine, they're not going to let you back into the country. So does that mean you're going to have to get... The, the Chinese vaccine or the Russian vaccine and then the Australian ones as well. You're going to be triple vaccinated for this thing. Like where are those, where are those boundaries and where are those freedoms and how are they going to come? Um, so those are the things that, that at the moment I'm, I'm super worried about. Like if you, if you look at what's happening in the EU with vaccine passports, mm. France has implemented it so that you can't have a coffee and you can't sit in a restaurant unless you've had a vaccine passport. So we use that as one example as a, as a vaccine passport for me. This is where New I think York is talking about it too. For sure. So if we look at that as a case study and we go, the EU is an open border policy at the moment. So you can travel around the EU 
England, everywhere, without a, without a passport. You can just fly into Europe, check your passport in, and you can go to any country without checking your passport. So then what happens if Italy says, we want vaccine passports, and Switzerland says, we don't care about them, and France says, we want vaccine passports for public transport, and then Germany says we can travel on any public transport without a vaccine passport in our state, then you can say goodbye to the EU. Like, mm. that, that means that travel between those countries is not free anymore. Mm. That your civil liberties have been removed by one or two countries that are mandating vaccine passports when the other ones don't. So that create, that's going to create a shit fight. And it's not just going to be like mate versus mate where you're like, oh, you've been vaccinated or you haven't and I don't want to hang out with you because you're not on team A or you're on team B. Or Queensland says we're not going to mandate, but New South Wales is going to mandate and Victoria is going to mandate. So then it's mate against mate, state against state. Then it's country against country. So then there's so many levels to that vaccine passport game of, well, which ones are appropriate and which ones aren't? Where can you go? What can you do? New South Wales is implementing in construction at the moment that you can't go back into those areas you're in total lockdown unless you've been vaccinated. You can't go back to work. So it's, it's, they're not implementing a rapid antigen test on the job site where you can get that test back in 10 minutes and know that somebody doesn't have it. Mm. It's, it's so many levels to that game that I don't know are really putting a long-term agenda onto of like what is coming and how we're going to navigate that. And um, the, then, then I think the scary part will be the people who have been vaccinated will say, well, I don't mind because I've been vaccinated. And, yeah. and really what's going to happen is everybody's civil liberties are getting stripped away from us by the day. Um, and those people who have chosen to do a certain thing because they think it's right will then, will then, allow for the for the the whole of Australia or the whole of whoever's civil liberties to be taken away one step at a time because they're the righteous ones. Mm. Um and this is a, this is a really weird argument because it's 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 kind of like I'm sitting on the fence but looking towards the future of people who have already been vaccinated and saying to me, well, I don't mind, I, I already need a passport to travel, which defeats the, the purpose of the fact that more of your civil liberties are getting stripped away and how do we deal with that if half the population has been vaccinated and they're going to be fine with that? So there's so many levels to this game of what's happening and how's that pressure forming and it's how we're going to navigate that. And the Australian government has already said, you know, the, the tracking system of the scanning with your QR, QR code, code. Yeah. We're, not going to use, we're, not, we're not going to use that for anything. It's going to be private knowledge. But there's already been two states in Australia who've then gone and tracked criminals through that system when they said they're not going to, the police aren't going to have access to it, nobody's going to have mm-hmm. access to it. And they've already gone against that which is against the civil liberties and against what they've said. So it's, it's just like do, 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 one step after another of losing our rights and our freedoms. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenging time to navigate all that. Yeah, and, it, and it's, that's what I was talking with Ken about. I was like, you know, it almost becomes two separate arguments that people were trying to tangle up into one. And um, uh, it's a bit like the whole Democrat versus um, whatever they're called. The two sides of the Republicans. Yeah. Red versus 
Rib yeah. versus glute. That's easier, eh? But yeah, it's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two teams, isn't it? But, um, totally. yeah, and, and, you know, it's like like they say, you could ask anyone in America how they feel about guns and then you can basically infer how they feel about abortion, how they feel about free speech, how they feel about, you know, a long washing list of things based on what, like you say, shirts versus skins. <laughs> and, and and it's... Yeah. It, we're, we're bundling the same thing up with people's personal health um, and, you know, their considerations and where they're at along along the story and how much attention they pay, what type, what type of person they are. And we're making it something binary like, um, have you been vaccinated yet? And I was like, well, I'm probably intending to. Um, I have these considerations and I'm just – just trying to make myself feel a bit better so I can make a decision. Um, glad for you that you've been able to make the decision. My situation's different. Um, and and it's kind of like that little bit of empathy. And, and yeah, it's kind of like, well, as someone that's been vaccinated to then say, but I don't think having a vaccine passport is a very good idea. And um, still kind of... Well, that you, you get put into the reserve team mate like you get put onto a shelf yeah. where they're the reserve you're not in the a team anymore you're in the b or the c team and maybe relegated. you don't get a say that's yeah. right yeah yes. and like um you're, you're saying about sort of um case case studies with with france for example in vaccine passports it's also like you're saying about these qr codes and and um you know busting up gangs and criminals and things like that at, un, under the same guise it's the same that you hear. Um, oh, who's the guy that's now living in, in Russia that busted out the um, Patriot Act? Snowden. Snowden. It's, a, it's the same idea, isn't it? Like, oh yeah, now we're not tapping your phone calls. Yeah, we're tapping your phone calls. If we if we want to if we want to look at you, we we just press the button and look up your file and go, who you been talking to? What have you been saying in, in social media? You know, it's yeah. like that. That's a case study, and it's like you know. Oh yeah, no, the QR codes just for um so if there's an outbreak we can see everybody that's been in been in the vicinity. But also if we want to know where Joe Bloggs is, because he's a um dodgy fucker, we can see exactly where he's been too. And and they can kind of already do that with Google traffic tracking and things like that anyway, but it's another way that you kind of give up that that um freedom of navigation and, and walking around the city that you that you live in and you choose to live in and, you know, contribute to and all, pay taxes for and all those things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's actually jobs available at the moment in Australia for contact tracers and they're full-time jobs that are available for the next five years. Right. So, so if you, if you have a so look at So is that like data track, analysis? Like say they have a, a case and it's like, right, go through the data and... Notify everyone. Yeah, and see who they've been in contact with and where they've been and how many shops they've been to and then we can notify the shop owners and then we can notify the service station and see where they've gone. So Amazing system. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. But, I mean, that just says to me that if there's jobs available now that have a contract for five years, they're not just going to stop. Yeah. Like if COVID gets under control and it turns into this thing where like we can get our freedoms back and we don't go into lockdown, then those people who have been given a job have a five-year contract, what are they going to do after three years if COVID's not around anymore? What are they going to be tracking? What are they going to be doing? The government jobs. Yes. So 
they're the things that we've got to really think about as a team and, and not be like shirts and skins of vaccinated and unvaccinated. We need to come together as a, as a collective and be like, no, fuck that. That's not right. So, and the stuff that they're doing with it now in New South Wales, I found yesterday they, or the day before, they locked down a, they locked down a town called Tamworth. Yep. Because one, one person. Country music capital of Australia. Country music, yeehaw. Yeah, that's right. Um, a suspected case of somebody with COVID who had come in contact. So this person had come in contact with somebody with COVID. They didn't know whether that person had COVID and she travelled to Tamworth. So they put Tamworth in a seven-day lockdown. Right. Right? Just from contact tracing, they knew that she'd gone there and they were like, we don't know if she's got it or not. We're going to lock down that entire town. And then I like, on the same day, in the same news conference, in the same five-minute segment, they said, but in the end of July, a guy with COVID had gone to Byron Bay and he's been getting about Byron Bay since the end of July. So we recommend that everybody in Byron come and get tested. They didn't lock Byron down, but they locked down the whole of Tamworth because someone who they suspected had come in contact with somebody with COVID had gone there. So there's double standards to this guy's been in Byron for two or three weeks getting around with COVID. This guy went to Tamworth, might have come in contact with, with it. So it's like there's levels to all of these games of what the, what the government is prepared to do with this information and how that and how they're going to handle it, and it's a, it's a, that's a scary, scary thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, on the it's phone. like putting a band, it's like putting a band aid on your arm before you get a cut, and letting the other cuts just bleed out. Like, <laughs> yeah, on the comedic side, Jimmy Reese did a great uh, Byron Pistake today. <laughs> Couple Giddy, of, I didn't say. No, I was just like fucking uh, Byron and Insta, Insta ladies and their uh, Insta boyfriend getting the right light and things like that. And I loved it as well because they were like content tracing. Did they not go to whatever and, and tag Harvest? And I was like, Harvest isn't even in Byron. It's in um, Newbar. Get it right. <laughs> sure, sure. But I was like, they yeah. didn't go to the drum circle on sunset and just yeah. lock everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, always take new, always take harvest in your bar. It's a great place. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I've um had a, had a couple of podcasts with uh, Greg Gibson at that spot. It's a, uh, it is quality. It's one of the, one of the places I definitely miss. Um, <laughs> did, have you seen? I don't, people watching. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, what, oh, I don't know what, what her name. I think I think her podcast is called like That's a Lot or something like that. Is some radio bird and she's got. Uh, it's, it's been d- doing the rounds and she's saying about how she lives in um, Bondi and she's like the Byron of the South Byron and she's saying how her and her, her, and her mate from Perth that must be the only people in, in Bondi that aren't anti-vax and then she go, goes on and says um, you know I'm against the vaccine and she's like I know you take ketamine on the weekend have you seen that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't trust the vaccine you take MDMA every weekend <laughs> like for sure. but then it's then it becomes a, like it's funny but she she crosses the line because she's she's like like 
I don't want to hear about you um, not taking the vaccine. Actually, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, well, that, you know, you're not helping anybody by shutting them down. But yeah, it's, it's just like this whole mix between like, that's funny, but also you've been a little bit serious <laughs> at the same time. And like, shutting someone down is not the right thing. <laughs> well, I said to a mate today, I was like, he, was, he said something about the vaccine. And I said, well, the, the drug companies aren't liable for anything. Like, if you get shit drugs from a mate, and they put you in hospital, you can go around to that guy's house, grab him by the throat and punch him in the face. It's like you can't do that with a drug company. There's no, there's no like, like, so at least there's accountability to buying drugs off your mates. <laughs> he might have, again, you might end up in prison for, for a different uh, charge, but yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, as we're saying with the vaccine, you might end up in prison for not not doing that too. Yeah, at this, at this rate. Um, yeah, have, did you uh, tune into the Yonmi Park episode with Rogan? Yeah, I listened to her on Jordan on, Peterson a few weeks before that. She's and, on Fred, um, she's on Nick Freeman as well. I've got I've got that loaded down. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. So I want to listen to that again because that was fucking harrowing. Yeah, I couldn't because that Lex Friedman one came out in between the Jordan Peterson and the Rogan one. I couldn't listen to it on Lex. I was like, fuck, it was too heavy on Jordan Peterson. But then when she came on Rogan, I was like, oh, it's going to be a totally different interview style. Yeah. And fuck, it's so heavy. It's the heaviest story. And, like, I think you texted me a few days before that and you're like, there's been some heavy podcasts. Yeah. Like of, like Cuban Lab and, and, and people like bursting into tears and breaking down on podcasts. And like that actually, that that one made me cry at work, the Rogan and, and her. Oh, like, yeah. I Especially at the like, end, I was listening to it last night. I was just like, <sighs> Yeah, the last hour was just brutal. Yeah. Like it's fucking brutal. I'd recommend everybody listening to it and just shut the fuck up about your privileged life. <laughs> like, Oh, like you're saying in the last hour she was like you know i've like fought for my freedom as a 13 year old escaped from north korea starving walking across a frozen river make it to china get sold watch my mum get raped end up with the next person they rape me end up with a third person they make me the mistress then i walk across mongolia <laughs> they they take me to south korea south korea are made to feel like um like scum because they're racist against North Koreans. <laughs> you know, I have to be, I have to basically convert to Christianity. And then I realize that Christianity is exactly what the um, Kim's prescribed to the country. And I was like, oh, yeah. this, this never fucking ends. And then she goes to Colombia yeah. and it was like, and now I'm fighting for my freedom of speech and I'm told that I'm a racist. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Like, it's not funny, but you just like, like I, I put up a post. Yeah, like, don't don't come to class because we're going to talk about these subjects and it might trigger you. And she's like, how could it trigger me? Like I've been through everything. You guys have been through nothing and it triggers you guys and it's not triggering me and you guys are asking me what my pronouns are. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You guys can, fuck, it's heavy. Yeah. She's so on point though with all that stuff. It's so amazing to have such an amazing speaker and so well educated now to talk about yeah. what's happening in those universities and yeah. It's huge. And it was it was amazing like you know book books on your to-do list are, are they all well stuff and you know I haven't haven't got into them but I know I know the an education and for her to say oh yeah that like helped me 
understand what had happened to me in North Korea. Like when she was saying about how yeah. there's no, no words for individuals, no words for love, rape isn't, a, uh, it's not even a concept, you know, and anyway, life's that shit. Anyway, you know, people just go missing, you know, it's just like, you know, like Joe Rogan just keep going. And I was like, man, yeah. Uh, can you just like pause for a moment? <laughs> I, th- I think the thing that got me in that, I think the thing that got me to break down was when she was talking about she did MDMA therapy with Rick mm. Goblin, the MAPS Foundation, and that was the thing that made her realise what love was mm. and to be able to feel love and, and to give love and to be love and to, sh- and to share with her partner and be open. And, um, to, uh, yeah, that just, that just cracked my nut wide open. I was like, mm. holy crap, like such a powerful tool. For someone to go through all of that and then to be able to have that opportunity to have MDMA as a therapeutic option inside therapy with the world's best brains to be able to like really have her deal with her trauma and, and realise that she's a being of love and available to love and it's just like, whoa, that's super powerful. Like, yeah, it, it definitely pressed a button in me. Yeah, one of, one of the things that made me, it, it kind of sparked a bit of anger was when she was talking about going to the UN and like how they sat her beside North Korean diplomats oh. and like gave her no protection um, and then basically swept it under the rug. And then how she said about how North Korea, Hong Kong and Tibet are like buffers for the Chinese National Party. And I was like, you know, I've, I've been following this sort of, the veganism, you know, World Health Organization, Eat Lancet, you know, slop diet revolution um, for the last few years and been frustrated with some of the shit that comes out of out of the UN. And then COVID again was like, what's going on oh. going on with this with these, with this characters? Like they're up to some shady shit. And then you then you what hear about what they released today. Oh fucking well, yes. <laughs> a couple of days ago. Fourteen grams 14 of protein. Grams. 14 grams, bro. Did you see Dr. Brad's picture of 40 grams beside a 20 cent Australian piece? <laughs> That's one mouthful or two. Mm. Like, this, this is what blows my mind. It's like the UN and the World Health Organization, they're in bed with each other. Like, yeah. how can they come out with a statement like that for health? Like, how can they come out with guidelines that are going to fuck every farmer yeah. So hard, it's unbelievable. Like, oh, and and then on the other hand, talk about climate nuts. change and, and stuff like that. You're like, you, you people have no idea. But the, like, the scary, the scary thing for me is like hearing her talk about like North Korea and China and about like oppression and oppression of food, and like going through COVID and shit from the last few years or two years, and seeing these little like Chinese National Party. What are they bloody called? Um, influences coming through the UN, and hearing that perspective of China and North Korea, and get, and you go, is that what the UN is about? They just like oppress the people, and then and then you know you hear about like <laughs> um, Infowars, the elites, and you're like, well, who the fuck are these people? Because they're real dicks. Can they piss off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like especially especially yeah, in countries like New Zealand and Australia, like. Like, um, what are you guys called? Lucky country. 
you know, and yeah. we're we, we, we nicknamed God, God's own. And then it's just like, yeah, no, nah, we don't we don't want any of your amazing produce anymore. Like we we just we're going to the slop revolution. Yeah, how about you fuck right off and stop telling us what to do because yeah. you're not helping. But then, like, we've both developed these markets in these countries because of, you know, feed, you know, promises of feeding the world and good quality proteins and, and you know, um, free-ranging animals and all that sort of stuff. And then it's like on the other side, the people running the organisation like, nah, nah, we don't want that. We want to lab grow and soiling the shit out of life. Feedlot. If it doesn't come from a feedlot, they're going to charge $1.50 a kilo excess in taxes if it doesn't come from a feedlot. Hmm. What's that going to do to our farmers? What's that going to do to our environment? This is what I mean at the start of our podcast when, when I said science isn't science anymore. It's like who are these people who are doing the scientific research on what cows do, what feedlots do, what regenerative farming does, what row crop farming does, what the health is for the human body and how much protein and healthy fats they need. Who are these people doing these scientific studies and then giving them to the UN or giving them to the World Health Organization? Because if, if, if the UN comes out and says your daily intake of protein like should be 14 grams and they're accepting that, then that's when I look at like who are the people who are giving the World Health Organization their guidelines for what we're meant to do for our health as well. And if if science isn't science on the United Nations side of things, then how the fuck can I trust what's coming out of the World Health Organization? Mm. Like where is it that the general population can make any sense of it? Like they just go along with what's pumped out of the media, what's pumped out of their government, what's pumped out of these big institutions that are so obviously corrupted and so obviously trying to push some agenda. And like, I don't like, I don't want to go down a conspiracy road, but the reality of it is, is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, (laughs) but it's almost like I see, I see your interest like in certain aspects, like say it's Coca-Cola and the Olympics. You're like, I see your interest. It's McDonald's in the in the Olympics. I see your interest. You know, even like Nike and shoes. You know, they won the most gold medals at the Olympics, and it's like, yeah, yeah. But we want to sell shoes, so we're still going to make shit in China um, or Taiwan. You know, and um, you know, the same with cell phones. You know, we still want you to buy a brand new cell phone every fucking year, so we're still going to make stuff on the cheap and not really have the best human rights policy around all this but it's really cool so so carry on and we'll keep pumping out advertising and you can see the bias and you can see the intention and you can see like they're they're trying to you know foster their shareholders or whatever but then you like look at the world health yeah. organization you're like what what's what's the fucking point like why are you here can you go yeah yeah don't have shareholders this is the thing like who are the people that are the shareholders of the un and who are the ceos and who are the people behind it that are running it to it's like they're not voted in by anybody like we don't we as a people in our country and your country don't have any control of who's on the board of those things we it's don't have delegates in any of it. that's right it's a delegate so it's like even the shareholders because if Nike or all those people, if the shareholders who are probably the top however many percent of the people in the world anyway, and they've got money to buy those shares, like they can actually put their foot down and go, we want to stop this as shareholders. But there's no way of doing that with the UN or with the World Health Organization. There's no way at all. And, and probably 
probably those people who are running those, like they're the people probably with the shares in Nikes and, and in Apple and in all of these places and in ExxonMobil and they, they've probably got shares in all of that stuff or their partners do or whomever and it, it's how do you break that down or how do the people even get some sort of general understanding of how we can gain control back over those systems? Like, because in, in all reality, it's like if you just look at the guidelines that came out of the UN for health and, and for the environment, it, it's, there's not one person in there that said, look, regenerative farming for the win, what we're going to do is we're going to end feed lots, we're going to put animals back onto the land, we're going to increase the the nutrients in the soil by doing regenerative farming. We're going to try and bring back the health into the soil and we're going to bring back water into our rivers and we're going to increase the general biodiversity on those things by doing that stuff. And in turn, that will make, that will increase people's health because they're going to be buying better meat. And then in turn, that's going to stop a whole bunch of other ramifications inside of health from unfolding. So, it's just crickets, like yeah. <clears throat> oh, it, boggles, it just boggles my mind. It makes me so angry, and you just come across people who, you know, that's like what's going to happen. I see in the UN when they say that they're going to get most of their their, their meat from feedlots, is that will just give more power to the vegans and to Peter and to those sorts of people, saying, "Look at the animal cruelty that's going on inside of this stuff. We've got to shut this down." Um, it's going to make it actually worse for those people who want to eat meat um, and, and it's going to make it worse for our farmers. It's going to make it worse for the soil. It's going to make it worse for the environment. They're going to be able to go, look, we did the, the carbon offset from these feedlots and, you know, the environmental degradation that's coming out of these feedlots is, is massive and they don't go and do that same research in a regenerative farm and see what's going on with the, with, with the soil nutrients and the water coming back onto the properties and all of those things. It's so frustrating. Yeah, and on the, on the same, same breath, the vegan will say, and if you look at the UN World Health Organization, they'll say that meets, you know, it's like smoking cigarettes. You're like, this, again, you, are you trusting that data too? Because that's a, that's a crock of shit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and that, so- and, it's, it's funny you, you bring it up like you know soil health and, and vegetation and things like that like i've moved from hawks bay which is a pr- pretty barren place to uh to basically mill and dairy country here um in tokoroa in south Waikato, and shit does it rain <laughs> and um yeah. and one of the ladies said oh probably doesn't rain as much as it used to the other they've actually processed some of that timber and i was like hmm, you might actually be great <laughs> because Men like trees, they like attract, like, and when it rains, shit, it rains. And then that's the same like Northern Rivers, Northern New South Wales, Byron. Like, there's all that vegetation around that place. It's a, it's a bloody jungle up there, and man, get it rain. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that, this is, yeah, it definitely, it definitely rains Tasmania, Northern New South Wales. It rains in a few spots in Australia, but I mean, that there's so much water locked up in Australia, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like with the cotton industry, yeah, and not and and sure. our rivers in Victoria, and yeah, but the sugar industry doesn't take the water that the cotton industry takes. It's on a different side of the Great Dividing Range, so the sugar right. is on the eastern side of the Great Dividing Range, and the water that's actually being locked up is on the western side of the Great Dividing Range. So our politicians, when they come into politics, they get a water allowance mm-hmm. as far as credits go. 
So that means they get to that they get to own water. The politicians, as soon as they're they're put into into office, they they're given a certain amount of water. Like they actually own water as soon as they become politicians in Australia. So it's like it, it, what do we mean like by what do you mean by own? Well, they get a certain amount of gigaliters, yeah, allocated to them as human beings when they become politicians in Australia. So then they can decide what they do with that water. They can sell that as an ind- as an individual or as an a a representative. No, as an as an individual. Yep. So they can, yeah, bro. It's fucking massive. It's the biggest scam ever. So then they can. <laughs> this is a, they can leave. Where, where do we find some major? Just like I need to do an info wars. It's online. It's, it's, it's getting it out. Like there's been a few. There's been a few amazing documentaries about it. But like, where has the water in South Australia and Victoria and New South Wales gone? And and who's in control of it? And where does where are these dams and where are these allocations going to? Because farmers get a certain allocation. A lot of it's like row crop farmers or wheat farmers or cotton farmers. They get an allocation to use a certain amount of water that comes out of the Murray Darling system, and then that water comes actually from Queensland. It's amazing. Comes from up in Queensland, goes all the way through New South Wales, through Victoria, and ends up in South Australia, and is no longer flowing into the ocean in South Australia because it's been taken along the way by all of these different row crop farms and and this is where the whole vegan cows use more water than than row crops which is just bullshit but i won't get into that but um so so the politicians get an allocation of water and then they can decide between themselves or individually whether they they go well i own fifty thousand gigaliters say of water and what i'm going to do is i'm going to give it to this person who owns this farm and they can pay me to lease that water which the which the Australian people actually own, and it comes out of the water system. Yeah. So then that farmer can give whomever politician, grab those rights for that water, and they can just suck 50,000 gigalitres of water out and put it into a dam on their property. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, I've got the allocation to do that. Yeah. So our politicians are actually making money from removing water from our river systems and putting it into dams so that it can irrigate irrigate crops such as cotton and rice it's like australia is the driest continent on earth and we produce so much rice it's ridiculous and it's like what the hell are we doing producing rice like we're not a tropical we're not in the you know in the equator region where most of the rice in the world is from and like cotton takes so much water but it's like it's just this scam that the politicians are are allowed to be given water like and the rights to water and that should be available for everybody so then 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 you're like well why has there been fires or why has there been droughts or why have there been these things and it's because the water system in australia is so fucked Mm -hmm. that it's actually creating all of these offset effects that then they'll blame on this thing or that thing or the other thing and have outcry of well there's global warming or there's global change or there's been a drought for the past six years and it's it, it's actually criminal behavior if you if you really look into it i suggest everyone having a look at some of the documentaries that are like where does australia's water go like it's it's a hideous thing yeah i think it <clears throat> might have been peter ballastead and it's it's one of my big regrets that uh my podcast with Peter, um, unfortunately, his audio didn't work that well. It's it's out there, and if you can sit through it and listen to it, he, he does share some great content. But um, you're probably better off listening to one of Peter's interviews elsewhere. But I think I think he brings up the fact that um, 
like say the soil quality was 20 units i don't know what the units are um bef- before this this sort of type of farming happened in australia it might have been like 1900 and now it's down to about five and yeah, yeah. Be- because of because of this type of um farming change that that's happened in australia that has become big big scale row cropping um types of farming and you know i was i watched um here at banner movie for last year i think it was called the dirt and that was again an area in um inland victoria that was just you know flat plain rows and rows and rows and of course dry as shit (laughs) nothing nothing anymore you know um, yeah and uh, yes i think peter Peter talks about like desert of might not even be peter might be um Alan Savory um, talking about like uh, de-desertifying areas with with cattle and, and manure and t- turning over the land and then planting. You know that's where that whole planting the tree thing, attracting the water, keeping the water comes from. That the for- the forest yep. and the the soil depth and the vegetation depth make such such a difference. And yeah, it's just yeah, I've definitely heard him talk. He's quite amazing. Yeah, but it's it's actually getting the farmers to go back to that. That's the hard thing because they know that cotton yields much, uh, way more coin. Yep. And they can get subsidies for growing cotton and that they'll be able to take water out of the system for growing that cotton, but you're not allowed to take water out of the system for, for cows or whatever. And then there's that battle between green water and blue water and what, what actually um, constitutes green water or blue water and irrigated water versus water that comes out of the sky and, yeah, it's it's such a battle because it's, a lot of those farmers are like, well, we've sold all our cattle and we've gotten rid of all of that stuff because we can get more money out of cotton or we can get more money out of X, Y, Z row crop than we can because the government are prepared to give us subsidies and help us out with with that. And it's it's just a shame. Yeah, so, so the economics of it, eh? It's, it's a bit... Yeah, it's economics. Yeah, and, and yeah. like... Um, it's great that like New Zealand's just had um, a first carbon neutral certified farm, and they're working to be carbon negative. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So it again, there's a there's a it, it's great when you get somebody that's marketing orientated, um, customer orientated, working on something that's significant. So. Um, I don't know if you've ever come across 42 Below Vodka. Yeah. Yeah, and Moa Beer. No, there's probably, mm, probably maybe not to, to, to New Zealand, that one. But yeah, 42 Below yeah. and, and Moa Beer uh, was run by this guy, Jeff Ross. Uh, is there any relation, mate? No. <laughs> yeah. You should look at Martin, give me some free vodka. Yeah, yeah. No, you should just get some hunting access, mate. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lake Howe Station's just just been certified as carbon neutral. You know, it's a large scale sheep farm. They're implementing regenerative agriculture. You know, they're they're um, so there's a group in New Zealand, Quorum Sense. Um, I had John Afru on the podcast to, to speak a little about of it, a little bit about it during lockdown last year. And yeah, it's just basically in, introducing these diverse crops um, for sheep and beef, and you know, on a large scale. And then they're working with, um, you know, getting their gullies and things back into sort of native vegetation. You know, having large not letting the sheep into the waterways and yep, 
you got it yeah. make making yeah. you know yeah. signif- significant riparian plots um they're yeah. sort of combining with the likes of in new zealand um so you can offset your seat when you when you fly out in new zealand and part of that goes into cool. planting trees and, and that's one of the properties where the trees go so like hearing that where is that, pro- where is that property so Lake Hawea is in central Otago and it's right next to Lake Wanaka. So Lake Hawea and Lake Wanaka sort of oh, yeah. are two adjacent lakes and they're, they're separated yeah. by um, a reasonable mountain range. There's some good public hunting blocks between them and, and, and a couple of private ones, Glendine. But um, yeah, the, it's incredible part of the world. And you know, like Lake Hawea Station, you can look up on Instagram, see, see what they're yeah. about. But, you know, it's great to finally have an example in New Zealand when people go, oh, you know, dairy and beef are just ruining this country. Don't talk about the fact that it's fucking fifty percent of our GDP more now that tourism's gone. Um, and you know, then they try say that it's also fifty percent of our greenhouse gases. And you're like, just hang on. Like, where the where the fuck are you getting that number from? Um, yeah. When you know, what's the states one? They sort of said twelve percent is from complete agriculture. And two or three is from um, cattle, you know, like, and, and, and it may be just proportionality, but you, you sort of look at the amount of trucks that are on the road in New Zealand. You look at the, you know, the tourism industry. We're not close to anyone. Um, are we counting the bloody miles that that whole plane load um, took to get here? Or, you know, yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, it blows my mind. Industry. For sure, it blows my mind. It's like, how can something that's got 36 ingredients, that's an artificial meat that comes from 36 different processing plants, be better for the environment than a cow? Like, this is the thing that blows me away. And, like, to, to take it back to when data is not data, it's like, how are they getting these figures that, that they think that, like, it's going to be better for your health and better for the environment to eat a fake steak than it is to eat, eat, a, eat a steak from a cow? It's like there's 36 processing plants that process those 36 separate environments that come on 36 separate trucks into one place, let alone the machinery that takes to process those things, to extract it out of the ground, to make those products, to get it all prepared into one thing when you've just got one cow on one bit of land doing one thing and might take one truck to get it to a slaughterhouse. It's like the data doesn't add up. And so it's... Data's not data anymore, and science isn't science anymore. Yeah, mate. Like, so, it's, it's, I mean, I see it here. Yeah, the farm I was on last year, like, there was no irrigation there. Um, for the most the most part of the year, it's grass they grow and, um, you know, they, the feed that they get off their own property. And it's like, you know, when I was there last year, it was a drought and <clears throat> they, met, they had to get a few um, truck lo- trailer loads of, of feed brought in. But, again, it was like... I'm looking around the place going, okay, so where, where's all the carbon coming from? Like that, that grass doesn't go by itself. That That's sucking in something. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and again, they've got like incredible um, pockets of thoughts of a tree, which is na- native, and you go walk through those pockets and they're, they're held, holding like really awesome rimu trees. They've got rata trees there. They've got kakate, like all, all these awesome native trees. And you know, and my mate's just like wringing his hands, you know, dealing with the regional councils and the the um, national, not national government, the you know our our parliament government, and just being like, what the fuck? We're just trying to yeah, you, you know con- continue this hundred year property, you know? Yeah, 
And, I mean, I see it with a couple of my mates, well, one of my mates in particular who's got a property in Western Victoria that backs onto the South Australian border there and um, the farmers around him, they say, oh, the babes have been kissed on the dick by the farming gods. And um, I don't know how many hectares it is. It's a, it's a massive property. Like, take it more than a day to walk around the whole thing. And um, it's like they've still got grasses in all the all their creeks and all their offshoots and all their runoffs and, their, you know, the dams have got water in it and they haven't chopped down all the trees. And it's like the people all around there are like, oh, well, they've been kissed on the dick by the farming gods. And it's like, no, his parents and his grandparents didn't chop down all the trees and they did things properly and that's why there's water on their property the whole time. It's like it's not rocket science. Just keep, keep the water in the waterways and keep the native grasses and keep those things that keep that, cycle going and yeah. um yeah you'll flourish yeah, it was even, even funny talking to another mate um who manages a couple of properties own, owns one and on the one that he owns um he was replanting trees and he said to the guy that broke in the land oh mate you know you've you did all that work to clear clear all the trees and i'm planting them and it was it was good to hear that the guys said just as long as you're planting the right ones and i was just like you yeah know, he, he you know, they would have had to clear the land to, to make it viable and so that they could turn it and get the, the, the seeds and stuff in the air and, and make it viable. But, you know, happy, happy to see it return, you know, somewhat to some native and, you know, diverse ecology is, you know, it's, it's what it's all about. <laughs> um, that's one of the things we, we, we talked about with John A. You know, there's all this sort of wokeness talking about diversity, but when it comes to our food sources, we want monocultures. It's like, do you see the disparity here? <laughs> Yeah, and Australia, and Australia's got more grasses than it could, like native grasses, and it could possibly know what to do with. And mm-hmm. those grasses have shown to grow at a greater rate and be better for our soil regeneration than wheat does, and will produce more grain through those grasses than any imported wheat ever will. And um, yeah, it's just phenomenal that like where are these people who are so proactive about? the damage that animals do, where are they when they're, you know, coming up with like, well, this native Australian grass is a seed that's very similar to wheat that's been used by the Aboriginals for thousands and thousands of years to make breads and is quite capable of making a grain that's just as good, has has better nutrient content than wheat, grows in combination with three or four other things that are putting nutrients back into the soil that will grow way better than wheat ever did and, and like, so there's where are these balances of these people that know this information versus the people who who are so anti what we're talking about and they're just where's the balance between that how do we get that how do we get that to come to fruition with trying to you know talk people into planting natives and planting things that would be more proactive for our environment and um i think that just the just the disparity between like what people actually understand to be real inside of what's happening in their environment um as far as like taking milk out of you know from cows and they don't want to eat cow's milk but they're quite prepared to rip down a whole environment to plant almond trees that then use bees to pollinate those almond trees that are transported around the country in trucks or planes to propagate that, that you know those almonds and the damage that that stuff's doing to the environment and you know mono agriculture, but you know it's, it's fuck the cows, bro. They're <laughs> fucked. 
yeah, they fart. So it's <laughs> such a multi-pronged, such a multi-pronged thing. And I think a lot of these things that you know we've been talking about today are so multifaceted that trying to get information out and trying to deal with people who are uh, meme information absorbers, where they see a meme online, or they you know they use Facebook as their information source, or they use Instagram for their information source, and they don't dig any deeper and those teams, like what we said, red versus blue or skins versus shirts, it's so easy to jump on those bandwagons. And I'm actually quite impressed with a, a bunch of, like my ex-partner, I've spoken about her a few times. She's a naturopath and a bunch of her friends are naturopaths. And to watch them change their food consumption after not saying just me, but like, talking to them, going hunting, seeing them introduce meat back into their diet, seeing them actually be like, you know, especially my ex-partner Eddie would not, she wouldn't even look at meat when I brought it in the house. Mm. And then I would cook stuff up and, and she would be like, fuck, that smells nice, but I can't, I don't eat meat, I haven't eaten meat in years. And then slowly but surely accepting meat, into her diet and I would have to cook it while we were still together and then, you know, we broke up a few years ago and then we're still good friends but she would call me and be like, oh, how do I cook that wallaby that you made so nice or how do I how do I cook this thing? And then, you know, a few months ago I went around to a barbecue at her house which is a birthday party for her and all of her naturopath mates were there and they had a bigger barbecue than any bloke <laughs> that I've ever seen. Eddie was on the barbecue for like, I don't know, a few hours cooking 10 different sorts of meats. All the naturopaths came. They all had meat. And, and it was like, I was just like, holy crap, like what has happened here? Like, and then they're obviously passing that information down the line to their clients and being like, hey, you need to introduce meat into your diet. How about introducing it this way? And there is a, there, that, just to see that change in, in my direct friendship circle with people that I can influence or I've had involvement with is is quite amazing and so it's all of those girls there's probably five or six of them who are really like never eating meat again mm. and to see their health get better and to see their their interest in it and that, that's one of the things that I'm really like how do we get these people to to grow that and to to get Get that out there into the world so it is really nice when you see it happen like yeah i, w- I wonder like we, we've talked about you know, the, the extremes of the world and, and the the teams of the world but i do s- sort of wonder and, and i probably think michaela peterson being part of the team um carnivore for very good reasons but i think <laughs> i've been having this discussion today about masculine and feminine and all that, all that sort of jazz um or that that page I sent you about the hyper masculine, not hyper masculinity, but like the the self love masculinity vibe, and I was like, what's what, what's going on here? Like, um, but anyway, I, I digress. Um, the you know Ted Namens and the and the Sean Bakers, and then Michaela Petersons, you know, and Sean with his Meet RX, he's just continual. You know, as as someone that's a um, orthopedic surgeon, that's you know he's he's very brutish. He's he's basically a carpenter. Of bones, but then he's he saw the world holistically, and he saw the world that hey, if I 
improve people's overall health. They don't need the, the knee operation. They don't need to chop their foot off. You know, it's a bit like Gary Fickey. He didn't quite go. Yeah, Gary Fickey, yeah. Yeah, he didn't quite go as far as, well, maybe maybe Carnival is the option, but he went went to the same conclusions. Um, you know, he's, he's very much of, of that ilk and, and suffered for it. And then Ted Naiman's sort of general practice and kind of does what he wants. Um, but then Michaela Peterson brings us sort of, I don't know, gent- gentler touch to it, I guess, that, hey. Yeah, soft feminine vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, like, hey, um, like, I can't, I couldn't do shit. Like, my ankles collapsed. I was 20, 21. I've got, you know, her- horrific rheumatic um, arthritis, and this has saved me. And now I I flourish. I have a child, you know, and I've, it, that didn't slaughter me. My mental health's good. You know, just look at my dad. His mental, mental health's not great, and it... This is, you know, partly helping him as well, and yeah. this this is an option, and and maybe the story that we've been told around meat might have been a bit biased. It's definitely a bit of a bit bias. I think a lot of the things at the moment are a bit biased. So it's yeah, where do you where do you go? And and I, I mean, I think it's very personality based at the moment as yeah. well. The world is very personality based, so you, you'll take somebody's opinion that you've been listening to a podcast on or watching them for a while over another person that you might not listen to for very long or you might not have an affiliation with as far as a a feeling towards that person goes. So those sorts of things are like, you know, I wouldn't say dangerous, but dangerous to to a certain degree. I mean, I don't know if if you listen to the Sam Harris. No. Talk about Brett Weinstein and the Dark Horse podcast and what he thought about them talking about ivermectin. Yes, I, I um, need to because I, I I listened to that other one, um, Eric and, and Brian on on Rebelism, and they were obviously talking about Sam's response. And so yeah, that was yeah, that was, oh, that was two two weeks. But shit, there's so much content out there. You know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just I, th- I think that like if you're a if you're a Sam Harris advocate and you've listened to him and he's helped change your life. Yep, and then he brings, and then he's bringing up something about one of his friends and saying yes. something derogatory towards one of his friends. And you're going to be quite easily swayed down a path of making a decision because that that person has helped you change your life, mm-hmm. or that person has helped you introduce other things into your life that have helped in your meditation practice or in your health practice or whatever it is. And um, that person not being an expert on a certain topic will sway your opinion or people's opinion in a certain direction. And that that is just ramping up at the moment mm. on, on things across the board, which are making things more team-based and more challenging to get through and stopping people looking a little bit further than, you know, just what's right in front of them. And um, so, so, you know, when you say to me, oh, what do I do and how do I look at things, it's, they're the things that at the moment that are really fucking shitting me to tears is certain people pushing certain agendas of their own personal opinion down people's throats and making it like it's the be-all and end-all. And, you know, Sam's had this thing with, with Brett Weinstein where he's like, I think it's stupid that he's been pushing this ivermectin debate. And people got quite uppity at him and said, fucking, why don't you have him on your show? And then he's like, nah, I'm not even going to talk to him. And it's like, well, that's fucking childish. He backed up his own statements, reinforced X, Y, and Z that he was talking about. And, um, 
which just pushes people that are in the Sam Harris bandwagon away from looking down any further resolves of information or trying to make their own their own opinion. So it's there's so many things like that, and yeah, it's it's weird. Where do we go? Where's the big picture? How do we get out of that stuff? What's, what's, what's coming into my mind is um, when we both listened to Neil deGrasse Tyson and Joe was asking him, you know, as he always does for most people, about aliens and Neil was just like, nah. And I was like, but mate, nah. You know, and we were both kind of like, Neil, you're like the the universe dude. <laughs> One of the most arrogant people I've fucking ever listened to. It pissed me off so much listening to that dude. Like it, it, the thing that pissed me off was like, he goes, take this table. We know everything there is to know about this table. And, and I'm like, you fucking don't. Like, that's not <laughs> science. Like, we don't have the tools. Like, in 10 years' time, there's going to be a new tool that's going to, that's going to measure resonance in a different way or fields in a different way or whatever. And so for you to just put your hand down and say, we know everything about this topic is just plain wrong. Like, so it's science versus science once again. Yeah. Was, like, where's, where's the debate? Yeah, and he, and he just, like, it was. It was It was like for someone so adventurous to, like, think about concepts Shut of, the door. of space, space-time continuum, like, to, oh, you know, listen, going back to, like, um, Eric Weinstein's expertise is fucking theories of everything. You, you sit there and try to listen to it and you go, uh, what 14 dimensions? I don't get it, but you know, bloody Neil deGrasse Tyson can probably interpret that and critique that, and and you know, he can sort of tell you the pros and cons about that. But when it comes to this vast array, you know, he can tell you about um, the possibilities of you know, the fact that that, that there's probably you and I out there exactly the same, living exactly the same life, having exactly the same experiences, and for sure. And then it comes to aliens, and he's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> a billion of us. Yeah. Sense. I know. It's just like, sure. yeah. So we all we all have our blind spots, and, and this one's a strange. Sure. It's like within your realm. <laughs> yeah. It was. Just, <laughs> and for me, it's like, I look forward to my mates like pulling me up and going, "Hey, bro, you're wrong." Like, and going, "Here's the information." I look forward to it. It's not an easy thing to to take on board a lot of the time. But it's like if, if they've got better information or they've got better knowledge or they've got a better way of talking about a certain topic, I'm like, bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. Let's let's hear it. Like, and, and especially like for Neil, Neil, he's probably, you know, we talked about rabbit holes there. He's, he's, as I said, he's talking about the infinite universe. He's, you know, you can't even see him. He's that far down at, at the level that he's trying to investigate. And he probably yeah. hasn't had any bloody time to consider Mr. Alien maybe observing us or hanging around or being in the solar system, like you know, I'm sure he's a horse with blinkers on and he's just in his own, and that's yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know, he 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 tells us the world lecturing about um, space, like fuck, you know, he's he's got to cover his bases, but then yeah, it was it was so strange to just be like, no, nah, no, no way, no way, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that I, I think that a lot of the world is like that at the moment. It's like no, nah, no, nah, I can't even think about it. Yeah, whatever no. it is, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is, no. no, whatever it is, no, I, I can't think about that. Yeah, mm. no. So, um, fuck, mate, 
things are too uncertain. What what are you what are you how are you how are you surviving? What do you keep what are you doing to keep positive? You, you can't plan. Um, so what do you what are you doing? Because like um, you know, the best thing to do if you're anxious is make a plan and implement it. But when you can't fucking know you can't make it, plans at the yeah. <laughs> what are you doing instead? Just man? make artwork. Just, Just make, make artwork. artwork. I made artwork in a long time, and I made it a very controversial piece the other day. Yeah. And um, I copped it from a lot of my friends. And yeah, artwork speaks loud in words sometimes. So where have you put it? Yeah. Well, I put it on Instagram. It's it's a it's a basic oppression piece of what's going on with the vaccine and what I'm feeling at the moment with the pressure that's going on, and so I just do that and. Digital rendering again? Um, yeah, I haven't done a proper. Well, you know, I've been making those like landscape pieces that photograph or having a drawing, painting, digital painting kind of thing for a while. So I did one of those. It was really dark and heavy, and I copped it off my mates and. I copped it off a few people, so I was like, "Well, maybe I'm doing the right thing if I'm pressing a few buttons and making people think." So, yeah, yeah, just do that, and yeah, try and try and look forward to the time that we're not, you know, in this predicament. And, yeah, what was it's quite? It can. Sorry, what's the landscape right? Like, is it just make, create, put it online, and see what happens, or is is there a capacity to <laughs> here's a question for you you're you're digital so could you nft some of the stuff <laughs> i could and um <laughs> i could and what's his name zero alpha designs you know oh yeah 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 yeah. Said, yeah he um he's been like andy your stuff would be great on those hit us up so i need to thank him i should actually really get in contact with him and figure <laughs> out how to do that because he's been pumping out some amazing artwork um yeah, it's, he's actually moved to Takaka, um, just down the road from one of my mates. So it's one of those things that's like, well, I'm hanging out to go to New Zealand for a bunch of different reasons and a bunch of different people that you've put me in contact with that I'm like, fucking hell, when can I go and meet these people and hang out with my old mates over there? But yeah, I should I should be doing that stuff. But um yeah, I'm just in the process of making and well, so I, any, I think anyone's, anyone's got a poop poop pipe wrapping company in New Zealand, uh, there's someone that wants to <laughs> immigrate. <laughs> pay for pay for a two week lockdown, and uh, oh, Andy's for here sure. <laughs> for sure. I'd love that. Yeah, there's definitely a few people over there that like you've put me onto that I'm keen to meet, and yeah, Justin's one of those guys as well. He just keeps doing amazing stuff and putting up amazing photos and. Um, who was it? Brown Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was having conversations with him this morning, actually. and um, After his big pig so photo. <laughs> yeah, it was a massive, it was a horse. <laughs> and then we like, COVID conversations and he was like, oh, I've got to go and make medical equipment. And I, can't, I can't chat right now. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> you guys are awesome. So, yeah, there's a few people that I need to say hi to. And thanks for, you know, being a constant source of inspiration over there for me and, um, definitely a few people over here that have been very proactive in, you know, me doing stuff like Elliot Sprague and a couple of boys and Mick Rodolfi and, you know, those sorts of those sorts of people who, you know, I feel like they've got my back and my opinion and um, the things that I do, they've really 
proactive in helping me to sort through information and look to the bigger picture and we have good conversations about, you know, not just making an, an opinion about what's happening right now but, like, look towards the future and look to, to where this sort of level of oppression that we're going through is is going to and it's good to have hunters in the community that are, that are super proactive in not just making a snap decision or joining a team, but they're, they're really like, you know, we got your back and, um, yeah, I feel proud to be ha- have met those people and, and to have a community behind me inside of those things, especially, you know, Kent and Eamon and all of those guys. It's just it's such an amazing community of people who are, I know that if it all goes to shit that, you know, they've got my back and they'll find me a piece of land or I'll be able to, camp out the back of somewhere when the Australian style CCP social credit <laughs> system comes into fruition we've all into the middle of nowhere so yeah yeah which, which is um, ironic because Oz has been like fighting the CCP but <laughs> but really that's what's happening we're going into a social credit system and that's what that's what's coming like that's my true opinion of it it's like this is just the beginning of it the QR codes the Vaccine passports, all of those things are the push towards the social credit system of who's who's being a good boy and who's going to toe the government line. And I, I truly believe that all of those things are moving into that that highly pressurised state and one step at a time our rights are getting taken away. And, you know, it's we need freedom, especially as hunters, especially of people who, you know, need to be in the bush and, need to be looking after the environment and taking care of the environment. And now that we're not allowed to do that, it's really challenging. So, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah that's, um, you've, you've heard it said across multiple platforms that having those skills, having that um, courage and knowledge to know that, hey, I can go out there, like, hey, I might die trying, but if it comes to being out there and, and trying, well, at least, at least you do have some skills and you have some courage and you have some, um, confidence to handle it and you're not get, you know you're not getting past the holy shit I'm in the wild it's like I'm in the wild and I'm gonna go do it yeah that's <laughs> right we've got the equipment to do it already yeah totally yeah, yeah. so well it's good and then like the amount of people that are like oh Andy where are you gonna go when shit hits the fan like, <laughs> off. I'm, not, I'm not telling you like, for sure yeah. no. get me on the satellite <laughs> <laughs> oh excuse me yeah. mate um uh, as i said awesome. I-, I needed to get you on to do episode 200 this is the fourth time i've had you on um yeah and, i feel blessed that it's number 200 thanks yeah. mate no just like i said like let's get on let's let's have a rant let's have a good good yarn and um you know let it off a bit of steam especially for, for you guys in australia like um we, we feel pretty pretty uh oh, not I don't know what the world is. Guilty. It's a bit of guilt over here that we, that we just kind of carry on. Um, we can't go anywhere, but it's not a bad place to be. As I said, we're God's own and you're the lucky country. But um, I'm looking at you guys going, some of that luck seems to be running out. And um, yeah, so it was yeah. really, really awesome to have you on and chew the fat and share some ideas and yeah, like blow them up. And, you know, we're probably wrong about most of them, but it was it was good to just sort of, talk them through and and hopefully hopefully it's been cathartic for a few people and you know ex- expressed what many people have been feeling and pro- probably a little bit 
shy to say as well. So, yeah, no, thanks very yeah, much. You man. know I'm always going to speak from my heart, mate. <laughs> Fucking, I'll do it. I don't care if anyone else will, but I'll do it. So, yeah, thanks very much for having us on. I feel pretty blessed. I actually looked through the back catalogue today and I was like, the last two was like 130 and then 170 and then now I'm on 200, so it feels good. So if I can just say anything to anybody out there, it's like don't judge your mates from what choices they're going to make for their own health or for their own well-being or for the community or for the greater good. Just stick together and don't let them take our civil rights and don't, don't fall for the vaccine passports and, you know, everybody's in this together and we just got to hug each other up and love each other and support each other through those decisions that are being made. And I think that we, we can't separate anymore. We need to have International Hug Day and everybody get together and give each other a hug and say I love you and look, up, look out for your mates if they're in lockdown and send them messages and tell them that you love them. And thanks for having us, mate. Appreciate you. Love you. Hope everything's good. Thanks, buddy. Love you too, mate. Bloody awesome. It's pretty poor. Cheers, mate.